So I know you brought this up to me the other day because of the email that you got, but I went and looked into that uh, Envoy ghost box. And what are your thoughts on that, David? Um, yeah, I got got the email. I think that they officially dropped it on uh, Ghost Stop's actual website because when I got the email, it wasn't uh, released yet mm-hmm. to the public. Mm-hmm. It was just like one of those things where like, because I buy a lot from there that they give me first dibs basically on their new product. Yeah. And uh, I was I was working in Bear Lake at the time, so I really didn't um, do a lot of uh, reading. I just kind of saw the email. It's like, oh, that's cool. And I just sent it to you real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but just based on the picture, I mean, it looks interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's got a lot going on got, yeah. with it for sure. Um but it's interesting. I guess it, it's almost like it's trying to combine, I think, like three or four different things into one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think primarily the biggest thing on it is uh, it's kind of like an ovulus type on it to where I think it, you know, it does like a voices, words, etc. dictionary type stuff. Uh, yes, no, alphabet. Um, but the biggest thing you you showed me or told me about was uh, it does like uh, e- emotions. Yeah. Yeah, because that was the one thing that I was kind of confused about because like I was talking to you and privately about it, I was like, you know, how how is it that this device can sense the manipulation of energy from the spirit to put an emoji on the screen like the smiley face frowny face confused face or whatever scared that that was kind of my little you know how to how would that work you know what i mean yeah because basically you have to be able to find a um a type of coding basically when you're programming this device to be able for it to discern what emotion is right you're basically mm-hmm. telling a computer this is what happiness feels like right yeah but it's just it's going to be hard for that to discern between because there's different types of happy mm-hmm. so maybe it can get close to what a spirit's actually feeling because i mean the same is also said with the ovulus you know how how can the device feel what an energy is in order to presume what the word is based on what a spirit's feeling yeah, because if you look at, like, the Ovulus 5, for example, it only spits out, you know, words. And if someone, if the spirit wants to say a number, it will spell out that number as, you know, if they say 10 spirits or, or 10, it would say T-E-N or N-I-N-E for 9 or anything like that. And it seems like this piece of equipment will let you, will let the spirit uh, communicate via verbally or slang, even if it's in a different language. Uh, then you can also have the option of having them pick a number, an emoji, and then do the yes-no thing, kind of like what we do with the pyramid. Right. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot going on with it. Um, it's already got two reviews, I see. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, um, they're all big uh, four, five-star reviews, basically. Um It'd be interesting to read uh, what what they think, but I would just I would really like to get a um, 
because we're not going to beat around the bush on here. It, it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it is basically obvious price. Yeah. So four hundred and fifty nine ninety five, uh, but it's on sale right now for three ninety nine ninety five. That's not including if you want the USB power pack with it, which also adds a premium on top of that. Right. So I mean, I would definitely like to see on this one, uh, video, uh, testing of it being done in the field, mm -hmm. because that's one of those pieces of equipment. Like if it doesn't work, you're like you're pissed, right? Because yeah. You just spent a lot of money, which I guess I can't say too much because I did buy a $600 camera that I don't use. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't, I would like to try it, um, but I don't quite have the money for that at the moment. Yeah. But let me specify, we have used it. We just don't use it often. I think we used it once. Was it the Sony one? No, 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 no. I'm talking about my 360 camera. Oh, the 360. Oh, yeah, yeah. We only used that once. We're still no. trying to get that thing figured out and working. Yeah, out. no, yeah. the Sony camera. That's that. That's fine because that's that's for an actual purpose that we specifically use for. Yeah. But the 360 camera, I actually haven't found a use for it yet. But yeah. uh, um, but I either have other pieces of equipment that I've recently bought yet that we have yet to fully test in the field too. So, anyways. Hmm. So we have other pieces of equipment that we've actually that I've recently bought that we haven't really field tested yet. So we kind of want to get through that first before we I move on to another piece of equipment yeah. that we're gonna eventually talk about once we've tested it um, on future episodes. One being I bought the Phasma camera that GoStop offers now. Mm -hmm. Their new line, like their own brand of camera. That's not like them buying a GoPro and then like revamping it to their style. Yeah, they actually made their own, and they also made their own uh, IR lights that are better than they had before. Because I bought their I IR lights before, and I'm gonna be honest with you, they're really cheap and dinky. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, uh, they were not the greatest. But this is like my first year doing it, so like six years ago. Um, this new light that they've come out with is uh, seems really cool. I'm really interested in playing with it, and it's got magnets so like if you buy more than one they just stick to each other and you can also do the camera as well sticks to it via a, a magnet yeah um and then it's also got a tripod mount obviously below uh it as well mm -hmm. so definitely interested in trying it out it does do the 4k obviously uh we don't really use 4k in our field when it comes to night vision um just for various reasons a it just eats up memory like a motherfucker <laughs> mm -hmm. it really and, does and i think you can get like 20 30 minutes out of a camera before the memory is just full mm -hmm. if that and when we do this we do it for like hours at a time so 4k is really not the ideal setting for <laughs> ghost hunting yeah because i mean it, it, 1080p uh 60 frames per second is technically ideal and then you can you can up updo that you can uh in editing software you can get that up to 4k quality but if you're filming in 4k it eats up so much memory because there's so much that it has to account for, you know. So if you're filming a 30-minute clip in 4K, that fills up a whole entire card versus doing 30 minutes on 1080p, which only fills up not even a quarter percent of the actual card itself. So there's a huge difference between those. And there's actually a thing in between 1080 and 4K that most people don't even, I think, realize yeah, is also an option. Yeah, there's 1440p as well. Um, and I think there's a 12-something, too. 
Yeah, it was like a, yeah, something like that. I know there's 1440p, which that's mainly for uh, gaming and everything like that. And then there's an, there's one up from that. I think it's like 1K or, or 1.5K or something. and then Or 2K and 4K or something like that. Yeah, there is definitely a 2K. Um, In fact, they're already getting up to like 4 or 5K now with like the new Apple stuff, like the new Mac Pros and everything. Yeah, soon 4K will be the new norm. And then you're going to go up to... Uh, cinema quality which is going to end up being 8k that they're going to start filming in uh in the next couple of years that they've already started doing i think avatar is going to be the latest where it's above 4k yeah um but so yeah we got the guy got the camera and then i also got this uh new piece of equipment Mm -hmm. um that seemed really interesting yeah uh i watched the video on it and if it did if it did what it did I was like, this is going to change a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the ANC Mini Noise Controller. Now, surprisingly with this device, it's really cheap in terms of paranormal equipment goes. Um, it's like $70. Yeah, which is um, bad. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then I saw, oh, shit, it's out of stock. <laughs> I was like, damn, that sucks. Because uh, I like, I must have went fast or something. And then the next day I checked it again and it was back in stock. Uh, but essentially what this does is it hooks up to uh, like your SB7, SB11, or obviously it has uh, on their picture the S-Box, so that's what they sell. And essentially what it does, it's like a modulator basically. Um, it hooks to your, let's just SB7 for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it connects to that, and then there's an, so that's an in port, and then there's an out port for like a microphone. And essentially, the S-Box will sweep through the device, the ANC, mm-hmm. and it filters out the loud white noise of the radio sweeping that you hear. Mm-hmm. You know, the loud-ass noise that you hear. Mm-hmm. It basically tones that out, so you really don't hear that. And basically, when a voice does come through, that's what you hear. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to make hearing voices much more clearer, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if that actually works, I'm definitely want it because <laughs> yeah. that's going to change a lot of things. Because I know we talked about it and you sent me a couple of videos of you testing it. And a couple things did come through, but you were also doing it at your house. And so you quickly ended that. So once we can get it out in the field and test it, I, I really would like to see if this piece of equipment actually works. Because on the uh, evidence review side of things... That will make things a hell of a lot easier to review uh, and questions and answers from like the SB7, SB11, the FX 2.0, because it just eliminates that white noise that's not killing your eardrums, and then you're still getting the the voices that are responding to you. So I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that this piece of equipment is viable. Yeah, and I think it'll help too. Like if an actual radio station does happen to pop through, it'll help us also determine whether that's an actual spirit communication or just uh, an, a, another voice, you know? Yeah. Um, but I am really excited. Yeah, I tested it um, just to see if it actually worked, like turned on and did what it did at, uh, at home. Uh, I wasn't even doing it for like probably 10 minutes just to, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this works. All right, let's get a video. Let's send it to Shane. And then, yeah, I think within just 10 minutes, I, that voice did come through. And I was like, uh, as I was recording, I was explaining what it did. And a voice came through. And I was like, oh, a voice came through, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, all right, that's done. And pretty much put it away. And that was it because, you know, yeah, we don't condone uh, <laughs> doing 
investigating type stuff, uh, even if it's just making sure something works in your own house, you know? Yeah, that basically opens up a can of worms all in itself. Because I didn't ask any questions. I didn't open up a any invitation for a spirit to come through to communicate through the device. I just was turning it on and making sure it was working properly. So I didn't open any type of communication, and I instantly shut it down within 20 minutes. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's not anything too bad. Um, which, a uh, little update, the other day, um, I did a, a tiny little self-cleansing of my house. How did that go? Um, I think it went pretty well. Um, it was just interesting. I just was uh, in my living room, um, and I saw my cat. She was just sitting in the hallway, you know, mm -hmm. like the entrance of the hallway. So, like, as soon as you exit the hallway, you're in, like, you know, the open space. Yeah. She was just sitting there, and I was like, that's unlike her. And I was like, so I sat down, and I was trying to get her to come come to, towards me, you know, to walk into the hallway. Mm -hmm. And she really wouldn't. Hmm. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. And she was just kind of looking. She looked a little, like, nervous, like something was supposed to be there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just I just took her animal instincts. I didn't really feel anything bad or anything or, like, yeah. off. Mm -hmm. But I just took her animal instincts as, like, all right, let's just do something about this. So I went to my room, put some... Uh, type of oils on me that I got from Luna and Lavender mm -hmm. sat back in the living room and I just kind of closed my eyes and just forced my will upon my house to basically say if there's any spirits here that aren't welcome to leave you know mm -hmm. just kind of do that energy shift and just kind of force my energy throughout my house mm -hmm. um, and then when I was done I opened my eyes I saw my cat sitting next to me and I was like all right must must have did something then okay. and just kind of went about the rest of my day Oh, but, that's that's not bad at all. You didn't burn anything or like sage or Paul Santo or anything like that? Nope. I just did a quick, uh, basically cleansed my house through myself, basically. Okay. Okay. Did you uh, did you cleanse yourself, though? Did you go and take a salt bath or did you go out and do some grounding or anything? Um, I usually do that through my hot tub now. Okay. Basically, I just sit uh, in, in the water uh, with the heat and the, the motion of the moving water uh, being outside and in, in, in the air and stuff and just kind of that's kind of how I like meditate now basically yeah. just yeah. kind of relax myself and so that's basically what I do now and just okay. through through the, the water and stuff okay well luckily it wasn't something too bad when was the last time you cleansed your stones um I probably need to do that soon I think it's been it's been at least two months I would say you should probably do it tonight isn't there like a special moon or something, or did that already happen? I feel no, like that. No, that's tonight. That is tonight. <clears throat> mm-hmm. What, what type of moon is that? Well, apparently it's supposed to be a lunar eclipse, and oh. if I remember correctly, I would have to look at that thing that I posted. I think it's the wolf moon, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Let me double check, though. So, uh, final thoughts on this uh, Envoy thing, because um, it does EMF temperature, and there's like a touch thing for it, and all this communication mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I'm going to give it a minute, because it sucks that it is on sale, so I'm sure it'll be off, not on sale when I want it, but I will probably get it at some point, mm -hmm. because it, there's too much of it not to, to get it. Yeah. Well, and my thing is... Uh just looking at it, just the way that it looks, it looks like it's very well built. It looks sleek. It looks nice. Some of the stuff that they have made in the past has kind of been a little rough around the edges. 
This one, just visually looking at it without physically touching it or anything, visually it looks like it's very sleek, well-designed, and it looks like it was a very thought-out piece of equipment. So I'm hoping that even though they put in thought about the design process, I'm hoping the actual aspect of that piece of equipment actually works. You know? Right. I mean, it looks pretty big. Like, I think it looks a little bigger than an actual Ovulus 5. Yeah, it looks like it fits in the hand, and it does look like it's pretty big. So I would say it's probably just a skosh smaller than my music box. Yeah. But I did got... find that here. Um, so technically it's the Flower Moon or some people... Oh, yeah, it is the Flower Moon. Okay, so it's the Flower Moon. Uh, this year's Flower Moon will be in the skies on Monday, May 16th at 12.14 a.m., so it's happening tonight. Gotcha. So if you're going to cleanse your stones, tonight is the night to do it. I'm planning on cleansing all my stones tonight with everything that's going on with this particular moon. Nice. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a good idea. I'll probably should probably do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that that's my final thoughts on it. I'm hoping that someone posts a video like David was saying. I hope someone posts a video of them actually using it so that way we can see how it is. And if it seems to be pretty viable, maybe we can possibly throw in some, all of us throw in some cash to buy it or something. Because it is pretty pricey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of equipment, uh, I heard our, our good buddy uh, Tim uh bought something new from uh, our recommendation oh yeah he hit us up uh, a little over a week ago was asking us a, of our opinion on a couple pieces of equipment and we gave our two cents and uh they ended up getting tim ended up getting the millimeter with the rem and and all that and then i think was it ghosty they got a, or they got was a it pyramid one? um i can't remember I it was, was one of the two buku boys got the pyramid dvo i think it might have been dvo yeah, yeah, they got uh, the pyramid. Uh, obviously, the second uh, generation because they don't no longer produce the first generation. Yep. Um, and so I think they uh, we're gonna test it out out pretty recently, actually. If not, have already tested it out this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Because I know on their last podcast that they released, they said uh, they were gonna be testing it out pretty soon. So yeah. And which uh, it sucks that you're you're not gonna be at uh, Tim's potluck. I know. Uh, by the time you guys hear this uh, this podcast episode, the potluck has already happened and everything. But the weekend that Tim's having his potluck, David and Sadie are going to be celebrating their one year anniversary. So obviously that takes more importance than a simple paranormal potluck. So hopefully you guys have a great weekend that weekend, and and I guess I'll uh, go check out and see how they're liking the the equipment when they use it over there at Benson. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, I think I, I think he he will. Cause I mean the the melmeter with the rem obviously as it's by itself is is pretty good. We use it literally in every investigation we do, mm-hmm. um, and we get some interesting results. Cause the one thing with the rem, uh, that just astounds me all the time is just when it does go off. I always try to figure out why is it going off, and it it's the hardest thing to explain when it goes off because then eventually it just stops, and it's like it's not going off anymore you know yeah. i try to think like uh, is it equipment malfunction like i i do all these things when it comes to it because it does go off for us a lot mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things like to me it's like it's got to be a coincidence that it goes off this much you know that it can't because you know in paranormal when you get to get evidence is like a rare thing and just one of those things with 
this REM is we get it to go off quite often. So it's just, I try to find a reasoning that why is it going off? Because yeah. it's a pretty simple thing. Just energy come in contact with the antenna and it'll go off. And it's just like one of those things like I can't explain it because the last place we were at, it was outside mm-hmm. and it had high winds. And even just it stand, you know, sitting there on high winds, it wasn't going off. But then out of nowhere, it just was going off like crazy. And you're like, but it wasn't going off before. So it's like, it can't be the wind. Yeah, that and also the feeling that we got in the area as well. Even though the wind had pick up, picked up and everything, we can feel massive amounts of energy right in that one particular area. So not only was the equipment going off, we were getting the feeling too, like, if anybody has ever done investigating before and you felt and you walked into a room that has activity going on, you just feel that static electricity. That's what we were feeling out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it's crazy because even though it's, you know, a field of energy, even though because inside you feel that energy that's like prominent. But even being outside when you have massively open space, you can still feel that enclosing energy mm. surrounding you. It's mm. just it's it's interesting to d- determine the differences versus inside and outside. Because inside, yeah, you got walls, so you can feel enclosed easier. Yeah. But even being outside in an open space, you can still feel that enclosing type of energy, like someone standing behind you, you know, type of mm-hmm. feeling. But uh, yeah, no, I'm excited uh, that they got some equipment. Um, I. I'm sure they'll like it. I don't have a reason for them not to like it. Um, I just think with the pyramid, it'll take them a minute to kind of figure it out. Yeah. uh, The the purposes that it can be used for. And uh, if they have any more questions, I'm sure when you're there, if they bring it, you can kind of explain the pyramid a little bit better to them. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. This podcast represents the views and opinions of David and Shane and their guests to the show. The views and opinions are for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique to their experiences, knowledge, and research, any and all opinions expressed does not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of any Bear River Paranormal group member, nor any member of the paranormal community as a whole. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to us. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a plethora of different things. First off... We're going to be talking about the Palmer's Elementary School, which is a story that David found. We'll also be talking about the movie, The Right. The game, Fear, which originally came out for the Xbox and PlayStation. We'll also be briefly talking about Merker Cemetery. And 
we'll be talking about a piece of equipment called the EM pump, particularly the mechanical kind. So sit back, turn up the volume, and I hope you enjoy the show. So the topic of the uh, episode today, which by the way, do you have any updates before we proceed to that? Um, no, I think the updates were just um, the equipment. I mean, obviously we briefly talked about our latest uh, investigation we did that we'll probably mm-hmm. get on another episode probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, probably there's a lot s- to unfold, a lot to talk about in the two, three hours that we were there. A lot of things happened. True, yeah. We weren't there for a long time, and we got a lot of stuff. So hopefully we talk about that sooner than later. Yeah, mainly because it was weather-related. It just got to the point where it was so cold, it was miserable to be out there. So we ended up just wrapping it up early. But in the short amount of time we were there, we had a lot of activity. Right. And there's there's some. I think there's some significances to it, because we were actually there in the same month in which the thing was constructed you know yep so there could be a correlation of uh swirling energies in terms of uh you know yeah because it was just two weeks later that they were doing the celebration of it so i mean it was just like literally right around the corner yeah so there's probably a lot of residual stuff going on in general with that time lapse lining up Mm -hmm. most definitely so palmer elementary school in far texas now this is one of those stories that uh you wanted us to talk about okay so let's see we got a school in texas and how would how would you say that the p-h-a-r-r is that just like far Far. but with it without an f (laughs) yeah because because uh anytime you stick a ph right next to each other it always sounds like a you know so they might as well I would just, assume that's what they it's just, called. As they might as well Texas. have just called it Far Texas, like with right. like spell you know normal. Anyways, um, so it's an elementary school. It's one of the oldest schools in Texas or in Far Texas. It has been an elementary, middle, and high school. Adults and children have had many experiences in the school building. Uh, the library is open all week except for Fridays for some reason. So the librarians can put well. So librarians can put books back. Um, when a fourth grader went on a Friday to see if the library was open, she said that there was a little girl sitting at the computer, but there was no one in the library. Another experience happened to a couple of children waiting for the library to open. The children witnessed a girl that went into the library when it was locked. This was followed by a report of something happening with the janitor who went to work early around 6 a.m. He decided to open the library. He said that when he went inside the library, two little kids were playing and went and hid behind a bookshelf. Another ghost sighting was witnessed by the computer lab teacher, whose classroom is right across from the library. She saw a figure in front of her and told the person to wait because she was busy. When she was ready to talk to the waiting person, the figure had simply disappeared. When she asked the children who was there, they told her no one had come in. When one of the teachers brought a priest into the school in order to bless the library, a black figure appeared floating in the air. Hmm. Which is interesting. So got an old school and an old library that's seemingly open to the public. So it's like a combination school slash public library, it seems like. Yeah. Which we've kind of done something similar to that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that was multiple things in one that also had a, a public library in it. Yep. 
but this seems very obviously kid orientated because you have schools in uh, the library. Um, the black figure appearing seems kind of random. It doesn't seem to fit the motive of everyone else's experiences just because a priest is brought in. Boom, a black figure's there. It's automatically linked to evil. I don't quite buy that. But um, it seems interesting. I mean, I'm, if it's old, I mean, any name a place that's old that doesn't have spirits in it, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but it seems yeah. like a, ch a chill, easy uh, place to investigate. I think it would actually be a very good one for people who aren't experienced to do if you were able to investigate that place, obviously. It sounds like it's still a working place, so I don't think anyone would really get the chance to investigate it. Yeah, because that story definitely reminded me of Iona when we did that location, and then the Garland Library as well. Both of those came right in mind when you were reading that story. Yeah, libraries, I think pretty much all libraries, for whatever reason, are haunted. <laughs> like I don't know why when it comes to like libraries there's just something that attra attracts spirits or people because maybe that's they're familiar with it that's something that in the day everyone pretty much went to yeah. for information Yeah. so it just has enough energy of human traffic for some reason to I, I don't know well, some people feel like it's their safe space too I don't yeah because I can see it as being a viable location it for it being haunted because everybody uh, of all ages all race all uh gender you know they all go to the library to to read a book to rent a book to get on the computer to rent movies and stuff like that and i mean over here uh where we're located like when growing up for me there was old carnegie libraries scattered everywhere and then they slowly started getting torn down and and new libraries started getting put up I think there's still a couple of old Carnegie libraries still out there, but a lot of them have been torn down and up, updated, or some of them have just been renovated. So there's still the bones, the structure of that particular building is still original to when it was built. And I feel that some of these older locations are the ones that tend to have more activity versus, you know, say, for example, up in Preston, they, store, they tore down the old uh, Carnegie library there which was in the Preston City Park and then they ended up tearing down the old junior high the yeah the old junior high and then they built the new library on top of where that sat so i mean i, I guess it just really just depends but with that story and with some of the experiences that we've had the two libraries that we investigated were old libraries i mean the Garland library has been there ever since it was built and then the Iona one was in the old church building that they converted over to a library, conference hall, police department, stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, that one was that Iona one, man. I can't wait to talk about that one because that one's like mm -hmm. one of it was like one of my favorite places to investigate. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely fun, and the fact that it was just an old recycled church building, essentially yeah. that's what it was. It was an old LDS church back when they used to make them all, you know, Art Deco and kind of gothic like, big, yeah. And they repurposed that building instead of tearing it down. They repurposed it. They kept it on, and I think it's on the historical uh, society as well, because there it is a big be. old plaque, <laughs> yeah, in front of it. But yeah, no, that was a good story. I, I'm sure I remember sending it to you talking about it. But I was like, I don't remember talking about <laughs> a story. But yeah. it's just finding interesting stories like that 
when we when I sent it to you when we first were starting the second season that was like October <laughs> yeah when we were when we were going through that so I just one of those stories but well, interesting and it story. has some validity to it, and, and it kind of coincides with some of the experiences that we've had over here. Even though, they, yeah, that was in far Texas, we're over here in Utah. We experienced semi-similar things, so it was a good story to talk about, nonetheless. Yeah, well, it has lots of uh, witnesses of uh, you know different people that you know have no relation and are completely separate cases, just constantly mm-hmm. seeing uh, children, which is obviously the he- a heavy theme there. Um, and you know children's spirits i believe do exist you know i don't think every child spirit uh is a malevolent spirit yeah you know there i think there are definitely children's spirit um that we've encountered before and it's just mm-hmm. one of those things that's it's very interesting um could it be because there's a heavy children's presence of spirits in an area that maybe a malicious entity would take notice to a type an area and would try to get in possibly yeah um but i still without investigating ourselves obviously um i just find the uh, a negative spirit presence there to be questionable yeah because i mean back in the day i used to think that there there was no such thing as children's spirits i always thought that something malicious or demonic was portraying themselves as being a child you know to gain your trust hence to start the process of possession you know oppression of possession and all that good jazz but now that you know we've grown as a group and i've grown as an individual and done a bunch of research and experience and everything there are children spirits out there that are kind as kind can be i mean it brings up the the residential we did in thatcher that was mainly you know kid spirits a couple adult spirits but mainly kid spirits and they were just playing with our equipment they were just having a good old time playing with something that would actually light up and make noise and everything like that so i mean there are children's spirits out there just be cautious because sometimes demonic entities will portray themselves as children to gain your trust right and i think you'd be able to kind of feel the, the, the difference you know yeah, because every time we've come in contact with children's spirit, you know, I've never felt uneasy, you know, or something negative in towards that. But on the flip side, we have been to I think places where there's both there's children's spirit and negative spirits at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's just determining in the moment what's with you at the time is uh, something you got to do yourself. Um, I mean, Benson, for example, I think has both, and Marker we've come in as well. Co- and we've come in contact with both and we were able to discern the difference when communicating yeah and same thing with murker as well there's children's spirits and there's also malicious spirits there mainly the malicious spirits were caused by other individuals opening up shit and doing fucking whatever god knows what else out there that we've had to discover but murker is another location as well right that's actually something to, to talk about too to bring up uh people bringing stuff into things because uh we were actually going to do investigation of a place that um it's it's a kind of public outside investigation but uh due to people going in there and doing bad stuff it's actually kind of put the the hold on that because they're actually enforcing a no trespassing there now Mm -hmm. yeah 
quite a few locations are now starting to do that. Some of the locations that we've already been to are starting to do that now. And it's, you know, times are changing. It's a lot of these public locations that are free that anybody can go to. And especially when it's at an outside location is starting to thin out. Right. And the problem with that is because we've been to a place where we've actively saw somebody opening a portal and then we went behind them and closed it. You know, had we not have been there to close that portal, that portal would be open today and mm -hmm. causing problems. Yep. And so the problem now is if they're closing this to the public, you know, you're still going to get those people who want to do that bad stuff. They're going to find a way to get in and do it anyways. Yep. And it's just going to make it worse. And without a way for us to go in there and actively close it, you know, there's it's just going to be it's just going to get worse. Mm -hmm. It definitely will. Which, ironically enough, that I brought up Merker, and that's actually the case that we're going to be talking about. But before we get to that, um, David uh, referred me over to a movie that I absolutely had to see. So I sat down and I watched a movie this last Wednesday, and that was one of the best recommendations you could ever do. Now, the movie is called The Right. Now, David, you want to explain what this is about? Yes, I'm actually really excited to do this movie review. It's our first official movie review. Um, it is obviously paranormal related in terms of uh, uh, this movie review. Um, so, yes, it's The Right. Um, 2010, 2013, I think, is when it came out. I believe that 2011 film. 2011. I was close. I was in the middle. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, based, uh, obviously, on a true story. Um, it doesn't say that at the beginning, but at the end, it, it kind of refers to the fact that these people in the movie are continuing doing this. But um, it follows um, a young uh, Michael Korvac um, through uh, his life, basically. Um, I guess spoilers, because I'm probably going to go through the majority of this movie. Um, so if you haven't seen it... And you want to see it probably stop listening to this watch it real quick come back and then join in on the, the conversation right because um, I'm sure that there's probably a lot of people that haven't seen it I haven't seen it myself and it's already been out for 11 years yeah it's been out for a minute and I, I'm surprised the amount of like people don't know what this movie is because I think yeah. it's really good for what it is because I mean if you got people who like the conjuring series you know I think they'll love this and I think what's great about this is there's really not a lot of CGI elements like, you know, jump scare type things. I mean, it's got a little bit of the, the loudness, but I feel like it's more definitely story driven than it is. Ooh, scary, you know? Yeah, just, all I got to say is just keep an open mind and just think of it this way. Things that happen in this movie are just a tad on the unorthodox side. Right, yeah, they definitely poke towards the more extreme side of things mm -hmm. but i mean it's got it's trying to actually point towards two di two sides of things you know it's not just being directly you know this is real because basically uh the backstory of michael um who the main antagonist of this uh, movie is based on um you know as a young child um his mother dies um they're you know catholic faith uh this family and um Basically, when his mother dies, you know, his faith is kind of rocked because he's really young. He's probably like eight or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, his father um, is a mortician. So they it's like a family mortician. And, you know, it shows um, basically, you know, Michael walks in on his father doing uh, these 
services that morticians do basically um, preparing the bodies uh, you know on his mother so I mean that's kind of weird to to see you know like your dead mother on this table and you know you're just doing what you would normally do during that process and it just makes it seem like uh, it kind of paints the father a little bit as like kind of like a bad father almost like I don't well, know, the, getting... one, the one thing that I noticed on that, usually, now quote me if I'm wrong, but typically speaking, if a mortician's wife dies, usually another mortician would exhume and prep the body. Isn't that typically what happens? I would imagine so. I mean, that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have a, an outside party come in and, and do it because... I guess just to save the person from the grief of doing it themselves yeah. would yeah. probably be. It's just like a morally p- question, you know. I yeah. think you're right, uh, but obviously they're not taking this into account and in doing it. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it, it paints the father as kind of like a bad guy. Not like a bad guy, but like just just a bad father, basically, uh, who is either bad due to grief or whatever. But mm-hmm. Michael grows up basically. Uh, until he's in his 20s for sure and he's just like he wants to get out of the town but he still is like would do what his father would tell him so basically he tells his friend that you don't understand in my family because his friend's like why don't you just get out why don't you just do this go to college you know and he's like Michael's like you don't understand in my family you're either a mortician or you're a priest you know so he's like my only way out is just to go to school to become a priest like that's my way out because he's like i don't want to be a mortician (laughs) you know so he's like his friend's like all right that's weird bud so he goes to college to be uh a priest um but it's tough because he kind of is in moral quandaries of faith like he's in a constant battle between uh whether it's real or not you know but for him at at the moment this is a type of escape right Mm -hmm. so he's going to school he shows great promise. He's actually really good. He's ace in all these tests. But then he decides, actually, I, I, I can't do this. I don't want to do this because his faith, he doesn't believe in it. So he just doesn't feel like he could do it properly. So he's planning on sending a letter, dropping out, whatever, all this stuff. Uh, well, he's there on a scholarship, A, you know. And uh, so as he's going, uh, the priest teacher there at the time um, is like talking to him. He's like, hey, man you know you usually you're really good at this and you're like you're failing these on purpose you know uh what's going on and he's just having these problems so the priest uh teacher who decides to follow him one night to like talk to him some more um there's an incident that happens um he's crossing the street uh the priest following him decides like he's like hey michael and then he trips weirdly and then hurts himself yeah, and a cyclist coming by has to swerve to avoid, you know, the priest that fell into the road, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then as she avoids him, she gets just destroyed by a truck. She gets ran. She gets ran over. Michael, seeing this, you know, turns around, yells for an ambulance, and then, like, goes to her. And she sees, you know, he's wearing the collar, notices, like, you know, he, he's a priest, right? But he's not really. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's like a school uniform type deal. Yeah. And she's like, you know, bless me, Father. Like, she knows she's dying, basically. And he just jumps in and just starts performing a, a blessing to her, you know. Mm-hmm. And the priest is, you know, laying on the... It's raining, naturally, so sets the mood there. And um, 
he's seeing this performing this you know blessing uh very perfectly calmly you know it sounds very good and you know sends her on its way and the next day you know priest goes to michael and says you know i know many experienced priests who would have struggled to do what you just did that night you know yeah and, and my uh, <laughs> i want to interject real quick he also yeah. wavered a little bit before he started doing the rite of passage he wavered right yeah he was like you're asking me to do something like do i believe in it right mm-hmm. but but he he does it just to ease her mind because basically you know michael's response to the priest after he tells him this is like i just said some words in a you know from a book that i remember you know mm-hmm. he basically just said that to i did that to ease this dying girl's mind you know mm-hmm. he, he still didn't necessarily believe in what he did yeah so heavily you know not believing the faith then he, he sends an email to the priest and they're sitting on a bench and you know they're talking like you know i understand you want to to leave but i feel like you have a calling for this and michael's like i just don't want to do this and so essentially what the priest does which is kind of like a blackmailish shitty thing to do mm-hmm. is he basically says you know well if you leave uh the church has the ability to revoke your scholarship so then you'd be stuck with this big ass bill you know or you can go and do this and the priest basically says um the catholic church has noticed a big uprising in um demonic presences like exorcisms but there are not enough priests who are sanctioned exorcisms in in the world and he's like uh the vatican has opened up a school and i think this takes place around like 80 89 late 80s when this takes place um and he's like why don't you uh go to the vatican and learn to be an exorcism like basically i've recommended you to do this and so michael's like so i can either not do this and have to pay this huge school bill or go to the vatican rome and learn this so i don't have to pay money so he basically got blackmailed into becoming an exorcist you know which is kind of i felt like that's a little on the shitty side you know but, you know, because, you know, it's related with the church. But in, in the priest's mind is like, I'm doing this for your own good type of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's weird to see the morality on that aspect. But essentially he goes, right? Yeah. He goes to Rome. I think it's like a two-month thing. Um, and he takes his classes and he starts uh, learning about this, uh, the way of the exorcism through through the Vatican Church, right? Mm-hmm. Which is... Uh, interesting because he's there and he's like you know i'm not really i'm just here to kind of observe and listen and get the uh, aspects of it but there's one there's one scene where you know there's another chick there um i can't remember her name in the movie uh also who plays her but uh she's there and she's like asking these you know questions that a person who is not really of the faith would ask you know kind of more like scientific questions of like you know why would a person do this if they were like schizophrenic you know because what's cool about the whole teaching thing is even though it's religious base you know they talk about you know they have to have a doctor present um it has to go through the bishop before like all the steps that they have to take before you know a priest is actually called in to do an exorcism because those steps are actually really hard. It's actually incredibly difficult to get uh, the church to sanction an exorcism. 
um, which is really tough because honestly, by the time an exorcism is approved by the church, it's actually to the stages of where it's almost too late, <laughs> you know, uh, in, in real life, because most of the time you, uh, exorcism is being performed, it's mostly due to the fact that this person is potentially committing self-harm. That's usually when the exorcism is actually invoked because they're getting to the point of like medical procedures aren't doing anything, medicine, whatever. It's mm-hmm. getting to the point that the doctors are stepping back and can't do nothing no more. The exorcism is pretty much the last thing. If this works, it works. If not, then they're a lost cause, basically. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of steps, and Michael's in there. He's asking questions basically on, you know, schizophrenia and all this stuff, and he's kind of pushing it. And the, the main priest teacher there is basically like, this course is not designed to uh, question the terms of faith. It's to, you know, he's basically telling them, all right, you're asking too many hard scientific questions. Yeah. This isn't about that. It's about what happens if this is real. Like, yeah. The class is based on whether or not God is real or not. It's like, no, this is real. This is happening. This is just what you do to stop it. And Michael's just on the fence about it because he's not still believing in faith at this point. Which I want to input on that particularly because, you know, in the paranormal field itself, we always have our, we we all have our healthy amount of skepticism and we always try to use any type of medical to try to disprove a bunch of things. Now, if in possession there are similar traits to signs of schizophrenia and bipolar and uh, multi-personality disorder and stuff like that basically all mental issues and so that's what he was kind of wavering on he was looking at it as a scientific point of view versus a religious point of view which obviously religious point of view throws all that out and it's obviously possession as long as they hit the certain criterias but in his mind with his wavering faith he was trying to essentially debunk everything as a medical issue and which that is referenced numerous times throughout this particular movie up until the end which we will talk about more right so this uh priest of the vatican basically the teacher um he senses this because he knows he was told by uh the other priest uh, in, in america like hey look after this kid he's really good but he's just got some problems right so he walks up to him and he's like hey um you know you're, you're doing pretty good but you know he doesn't say this to him but like his type of tone is like you know but you're kind of like questioning the shit out of what i'm doing here <laughs> um i need you to go somewhere else <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, because you're making me look bad here. But that's not what he says. He obviously doesn't know a nicer, uh, r- churchy way of saying things. Yeah. Um, no offense to the way I say things. Um, but he's like, uh, there's this guy. Uh, he's Irish. His name's Father Lucas. He lives uh, in Florence. Um, why don't you go to him? Because he, he, he's, he's an active exorcist priest right mm-hmm. why don't you uh take some notes from him, him and see, see how he does things basically to kind of like almost prove to michael like this is real so you can get a first-hand experience in it yeah and the biggest thing is he wanted him to go meet up with him because he does things unorthodox like versus yeah how to kind of help michael's to, to kind of help michael's mind of thinking yeah to like father lucas isn't gonna be like oh heaven might you know he's gonna be like he's gonna shoot you straight essentially yep uh but his main thing is like but father lucas gets results you know like he he knows what he's doing yep so go go to him and so michael does 
he proceeds to meet Father Lucas, goes there, and really the first time meeting Father Lucas, uh, Father Lucas has uh, a patient, we'll call, uh, who is, you know, allegedly possessed, um, and comes to the house and he's like all right well if you're gonna do this you know c- c- come help me and i'm just gonna point out that father lucas is a uh, the actor who plays him is uh, anthony hopkins yep um a uh, terrific actor if you don't know who that is um he uh is like silence of the lambs mm-hmm. pl- you know played uh what's that guy's name bill something yeah something like that i don't remember i haven't seen that movie in a long time but uh he's a great actor when it comes to the type of devious mind characters, you know, mm. like horror based characters and, and other great works. But, uh, so I, I think he, he makes this movie father Lucas for sure. You know, just how, how he does things. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, well c- c- come along with me. If we're going to do this, you know, let's just do this. And you know, I got to absolve you and stuff. And Michael's like, what? And he's like, Oh, we're going to perform uh, a session on, on this, on this girl, uh, or you can sit down downstairs with her aunt, you know, basically like either do this or don't, you know, but let me absolve you. And he does a quick little absolution thing, whatever mm-hmm. blesses him. Um, so they go upstairs and this girl, she's sitting in the chair. Um, she's 16 years old. Uh, she's pregnant. So that's already a, a load of things right there. Um, you know, she just speaks Italian. So they speak in Italian a little bit, you know, and, asking all these questions and doing all these things and they end up going and do, doing a light um exorcist type deal and stuff and then things things are done she goes away they leave when michael's like well that's it and he's like oh yeah father lucas is like yeah um usually it takes multiple sessions um it could take a uh, couple months to a couple years of doing this to fully you know, exercise a demon from a, a person. It's not a one and done thing, you know. And one of the references Father Lucas is makes this is kind of funny because it's towards the actual Exorcist movie, the original one. And he's like, uh, what, "What were you expecting, Michael? Spinning head and pea soup?" Mm-hmm. You know, he makes that funny little reference that uh, it's not as glamorous as it appears in the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael's like, "Yeah." I didn't, He's trying to think rationally at this point, you know, he's saying like uh, she obviously has some problems and stuff like he's pointing out like the fact that, you know, he was she was raped by her father. He's not in the picture no more. The family left. You know, there's a lot of built up trauma. And Michael's like, she doesn't need an exorcist. She needs a shrink. Yeah. And uh, one of the quotes that uh, I noted here that Father Lucas says uh, which is which is fun, interesting to put in perspective. He goes, um, w- when there's a thief, you know, in your house, does he turn on the lights when he's robbing your house? He goes, no. He prefers you not know that he's in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so much like the devil, he'd prefer you not know he exists. Yep. And I, I that's just one of the quotes that that Father Lucas says. I'm like, that's a really interesting quote. You know, I, I like the way that 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 is said mm-hmm. because the way they bring religion into this movie you know obviously they they say it's real but it's it's going back and forth on what's real and what's not real uh which is very interesting um so moving on to that they go to a, do an, a house call mm-hmm. uh, of a 15 year old boy um and basically the boy's telling him that he has dreams 
uh, of a mule and it's kicking him and stuff and they lift up the shirt and you know you got the the kick marks on the boy so father lucas at this point takes the time to uh realize that michael's still on the skeptical side and so he's going to kind of play into michael's side of things and he asks the mom you know are, are you hitting the boy you know are you doing this to the boy in an aggressive manner you know and they're like just don't understand and so at this point father lucas is like all right i, I made my point you know to kind of feed the ego of michael a little bit into playing on the fact that maybe it's not a demon maybe it's the mother doing this you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so he does this a uh, little thing cleanses the boy real quick he, like does a little prayer for him and then he's like give me your pillow does this little pillow thing blesses the pillow for I, i'm assuming the boy's sake but then he oh, rips it open reaches his hand in the pillow and he pulls out a frog and he's like to father lucas like oh this is proof this is the devil right mm-hmm. Um, so after all that, they get back to Father Lucas's house, and Father Lucas has to go inside for a phone call. And then Michael goes to grab Father Lucas's bag, and he pulls a frog out of his bag. And he's like, "Huh, that's interesting." And he sees the little pond, lake that's outside Father Lucas's house, and there's like just tons of those frogs, right? Yep. So in Michael's mind, he's like, "Ah, he just played me for a fool. This is just all a trick, right?" So at this point, he's like, I'm done with you, Father. This is ridiculous. But before he really says anything, the phone call was actually the girl, the pregnant girl. She's in the hospital. You know, she's just she's getting really bad at this point. Right. So they go to the hospital, rush quickly to the hospital. She's tied up. You know, they can't really give her any medicine and stuff to sedate her because she's pregnant. Laws forbid that. Um, so it's very, it's very interesting. And um one of the things Michael says to Father Lucas is, uh, it's another quote that, this movie has tons of great quotes, so I only wrote down mm-hmm. a few. Um, he says to Father Lucas, after all this is said and done, um, people prefer to lie to themselves than face the truth. Mm-hmm. To try to prove the point that this chick may think she's possessed or the dev- everything's bad, just because it's easier than facing the truth, like, ah, oh, shit's bad, you know, I got raped by my father and all this stuff, you know, and so it's 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 very interesting but one of the things this girl says because at this point this girl can speak english she's taunting them you know doing all this stuff and she she really can't speak english she can only speak italian but that's one of the things in the school that they say that you know demons can mimic all languages yeah because because in that one particular scene wasn't she also speaking hungarian as well she was speaking greek greek okay yeah, she was saying stuff in Greek, and, you know, Michael's like, I don't understand you, and then she, you know, goes back to English real quick just to kind of spite him, and, you know, she says a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. obscenity things and gross things and all that, um, and one of the things, because at this point, Michael's talking to her directly, and one of the things that Father Lucas says, and it's one of the things that are known, is uh, don't talk to it directly. You don't talk to the demon directly. Only the priest, you know, only he does that because he's he's got the power of God. And so Michael's actively, you know, talking to her, trying to like basically go her to like say like, you know, you're not really possessed. There's no demon in you. This is just your psyche problems. Right. Mm -hmm. And so him and the demon are having like this type of banter. And one of the things she says to him that's interesting is like a a liar knows a liar. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, a demon's a liar and demons know all your, your sins and your, your deep secrets and all that, right? Yep. So it's basically the demon saying, a liar knows a liar. It's basically you're lying to yourself that I don't exist. You know I exist. I'm here. But you keep trying to to do not, you know. And basically, my point to prove to you that I exist is I'm going to kill this chick and I'm going to kill her baby. You know, 
so she's mm-hmm. basically definitely trying to, to, to get her um and so that ends the session they go away they talk and father lucas is like you think you outsmarted him you know like that this is his game you know this is what he wants you know he 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 exists whether you you know Mm -hmm. uh believe or not in fact Um, i remember him particularly saying once you believe in the devil you have the power to overturn the devil if i remember that's one of the things that he said if i remember correctly yeah um well he actually says something i can't remember what he says he says like he he says they will not have power over you if you believe in them or something like that um yeah well he tells michael he says um even if you don't believe in the devil won't protect you from him yep that's that's actually the quote he says as michael's walking away because he's like you know just because you don't believe in the devil doesn't mean he doesn't believe in you and not believing in it won't protect you from it Mm-hmm. which is a common thing that we face all the time is that you have a lot of people who are just like if i believe it's not real then it can't affect me but it you know it does all the time just like mm-hmm. with normal spirits in general yep because we get that quite often um so he goes away father lucas is pretty much there overnight but basically throughout the night um the demon takes its final hold and uh kills kills the baby by delivering it early and uh, she hemorrhages a lot's loss of blood, and sh- she dies, and the baby dies. Yeah. Um, and Father Lucas, you know, he's uh, he's in a lot of despair at this point. He's reached a low point in his life. You know, he lost uh, a person that you know he's been working on for a long time. And uh, Michael, at this point, has basically said, "You're you're a hack. You're you know." So F- Father Lucas's point at at this time, he's like, "I've he's in." total depression he's kind of almost questioned faith as well you know which ironically enough he talks about this particular instance that happened to him before yes and now it's happened again because michael has asked him you know have you ever lost somebody and you know father lucas calmly says without really much emotion like yeah yeah it's happened before you know and i go into a depression for about a couple months you know but then i get this feeling you know like question faith and i don't believe in it anymore Mm -hmm. but then i just always get this uh he refers to it as God's fingernail, kind of scratching on the back of his, you know, his mind yep. to the point where the the urge to go back into doing his priestly duties is too great for him not to ignore. So he, you know, he goes back and does his thing. But at, at this point, I think it's to the point where he can't, kind of can't do it no more. And mm-hmm. through rapid, unnatural progression, basically, Father Lucas is oppressed by the same demon that took the life of this girl mm-hmm. and is almost to the point of possession that you know the span it shows in, in the movie is much too fast for it to actually happen but for movie's sake for uh, storyline to continue further basically he's instantly possessed mm-hmm. um which i have a couple of things i want to add in on that but we'll talk about it after when you're done explaining the movie so at this point, Father Lucas uh, is possessed. Michael goes back doing his own thing. And then at some point, you know, he goes to visit. Um, well, the biggest thing that happens is uh, Michael gets a phone call. Well, he doesn't get a phone call. The Vatican gets a phone call that, you know, his father uh, had a stroke. And they tell Michael. And so Michael's like, well, he's got to get back home. The, dr- the dream happened first, and then he got that call. True. Yeah. He, Michael had a, a brief dream um about his father um 
he was he's working in the mortician thing and this weird hand gross thing comes up and you know he blows on it then it just grabs his neck um one of the things actually i forgot about that was interesting during the exorcist part of the girl who died who was pregnant um they do a little uh trick um basically father lucas says what do you have in your pockets and he's like oh just a dollar bill he's like put in the bag this is how i'm gonna basically prove to you that the devil exists right Mm -hmm. um and he's like i'm gonna have the girl guess what's in the bag and so they go up there and through through uh a few conversations and stuff he basically commands her to to guess what's in the bag and she looks at it and in italian she says you know one american dollar mm-hmm. and he pulls it out and it's like and father looks like see the devil knows the things that people should not know mm-hmm. that was like one of the things of him to prove obviously it fell a little bit on deaf ears he's like oh yeah whatever and he michael didn't really seem to think too much about it yeah but that was an interesting thing because that is a true thing that you know the un, uh, evil entities and, and demons and devils and such um, know things that they shouldn't know mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that they use as a sign of whether someone is actually possessed or not yeah um, but yeah I, f- I forgot to mention that um, so back to Michael wanting to leave to go home to be with his father who's in the hospital uh, basically the universe at this point is like preventing him from doing it there's like a volcano thing that all flights are suspended type thing so he can't leave he left the church room because his room was infested with these frogs which is you know a key theme because he didn't believe in the frogs and oh there's a shit ton of frogs in his room mm-hmm. he's like well he's like shit so he leaves goes to a hotel room um, and he proceeds to call the hospital to check up on his father. Now, this part was actually also interesting because as he's on the phone call, he's waiting to hear from his father, you know, get patched through. You know, his father does come on the line mm-hmm. and he's trying to talk to his father. And, you know, he's, his father's confused. He's like, where am I? What, what's going on, basically? And then, and then he just says this one thing. He's like, they're hurting me. And his son, Michael's like, what, what are you talking about? And then it just kind of hangs up, whatever, or a call drops. And then the actual hospital picks up a guy and he says, sorry, uh, your father passed, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do, you, what do you mean? I was just talking to him, you know. It was one of those things. And he's like, no, he passed like a couple hours ago. So it was just one of those things that he was talking to his father through the phone who had passed, which is a, a, a phenomenon that has happened to people before of talking to dead people through a phone. That's mm-hmm. actually a very interesting thing that has actually occurred to people. So it was interesting seeing this, you know, in, in the movie as well, brought an interesting uh, aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, that's weird. Um, calls up the girl who's his friend, whatever. She's, she's a journalist. That's why she's they're taking the class because they meet at coffee do a couple social things and he's like oh well, why are you here I didn't, nuns do exorcists she's like oh i'm not a nun and she's like a journalist doing a story basically mm-hmm. on on this whole thing so basically that's like his only friend there she does speak italian um so it's like he's she's there to help him and stuff but uh, she tells him a story about you know really kind of why she's interested in this uh she had a brother that at 19 um her parents uh institutionalized in a mental hospital because he was uh tormented basically by voices and stuff um the devil telling him to do stuff so they just you know what probably a lot of people do when they don't understand is they just send him to a mental hospital 
Yeah, because they thought that he had schizophrenia. Right. But really, he was actually possessed. So that's pretty much what led her to this whole thing of why she's really here, uh, just through work and stuff, too. Um, So they go back to this boy's house because, you know, Michael saw the boy tell his mother something, but he didn't, he can't speak Italian and didn't really know. So they go back to this little boy and he's like, Michael's like, hey, and this is translated through the girl. um, What did you tell your mother that, that night I was there? And he's, he's a little reluctant. And the mother's like, it's just a boy. He doesn't know what he's saying. And he's like, oh, I really want to know. And he's like, um, the mule said that uh, your father was going to die. And uh, you've seen the, the mule too. Because in this, in this dream, you know, there's a, a mule with red eyes. And that's like the, imbo- the spiritual embodiment of this demon. That's like one of the forms it takes when, you, when it wants you to show itself to you. Mm-hmm is basically this donkey with red eyes because as you know demons can't fully uh personify what a human body looks like mm-hmm. um i guess it can with an animal i don't know yeah. but it has red eyes so it's not normal and so at this point he's like well shit's going bad uh, they go to father lucas's house notices he's in a bad way and father lucas is telling him like yeah i know i'm possessed you're gonna have to get father xavier who is the priest of the school to come and do this on me because um, i can't hold out any longer so they go back to the vatican father lucas is surprisingly gone for the week you know he's somewhere else and they can't get a hold of him so they go back to father lucas's house and decide at that moment that all right we gotta we gotta start doing something um but his faith is questioned and father lucas is is really the demon at this point is all up in him um but one of the things so they go through this whole thing i'm not going to explain the entire process of this because it's a lot of back and forth and pretty much the climax of the movie at this point Mm -hmm. um but one of the biggest things is there's a a flashback from michael and his mother uh i'm assuming this is like when she's close to dying she hands a little little boy Michael this card of like an angel and on the back of it she wrote on it uh, you are not alone he will always be with you right and uh, so he has that in his mind and he's doing this kind of exorcism type thing and he's losing basically so they take a break he goes downstairs and uh, the chick that's uh, with Michael um, she followed and is there and she's like trying to give him a pep talk (laughs) and um basically she says this line um you are not alone Mm -hmm. and he's like what did you say and she says it again and he just gets this like thing of like renewed strength basically Mm -hmm. to to go back in there and to to do this (laughs) um because he he, he's just doubting because one of the things that he talks about with her she's like why are you here you know and at this point he's like he's no longer really doubting faith because he's like i i believe like this is real at this point because this is like too much yeah but he's to the point where he's like i'm not doubting the faith i'm doubting myself like he doesn't feel like he has the power to be able to expel this demon so you know it's he's just kind of his energy's weak towards this demon that's not really having a lot of effect right so that's what leads to the you know she's saying you're not alone mm-hmm. uh, and then that's like renews his strength a little bit so he goes back in and they're doing this big old thing and um one of the things that pretty much leads to him triumphing over this demon at this point 
is because you know father lucas is he was tied up to his chair broken through he's all up in michael's face um he really only cg because it had really good makeup in this there's really not a lot of cg but one of the things that they had cg was like you know michael was holding up his cross to lucas and in midair it just started bending because uh Michael, when he was a little boy, when his mother was getting lowered in the casket, uh, he held the cross behind his back and started bending it. And, you know, this demon's like, I was there, I know you did this, whatever, you were always meant for me, type of thing. And so this cross is bent in midair. That was, like, really the biggest CG effect that they had. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Michael's holding up this cross, you know, up top it's bent. He's trying to rebend it. And he's telling this demon, Father Lucas, at this point, uh, I do believe in you. And he's like, but if I believe in you, that also means I believe in God. And basically he's getting all this strength like, yeah, I, I accept your existence and your belief and you exist. But then that means God is with me as well. And he gives me the strength and power and basically gets all this find strength and overcomes father lucas demands the demon its name big old scene demon says his name and he expels the demon out of father lucas and what's and, the demon's name uh ball b-a dash it's like a little hyphen thing uh u-l mm -hmm. ball which is a real demon in uh whatever book he's in I don't know which specific book, religious-wise, if he's actually in like an actual main tome, but he is archived as an actual demon that uh, I think he fell from heaven. He was one of the actual archangels that fell, or he was just created after the fact. I can't remember, but he is a real demon um, that exists in our, I'm assuming, real world. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much the climax of the movie at this point. And uh, he goes on after the fact. Uh, at the end, you know, it says uh, Michael, he works out of Chicago to this day uh, as a priest down there. And that Father Lucas, um, you know, I'm assuming at this point Father Lucas is dead. But uh, he performed over 2,000 exorcists. Yep. in his life in Florence, Italy. Mm. And one of the... Just hearing that is crazy enough to understand why he is so orthodox, you know, as he's older. Because to just do that so many times, how much energy is involved in that, is just so draining. Because even just us cleansing houses normally is so draining. I couldn't imagine exercising... <laughs> yeah that many demons yeah in your lifetime well in my thing with the whole movie which there's a lot of little gifts that you need to pay attention this is one of those movies that you have to pay attention to every single detail because there's little things here and there that will make sense at the end of the movie but you got to pay attention to those like for example the bracelet that was right. one of them and yep, then it's a, the it's a theme. frogs in the in the little aquarium that's another one you know and um i get the feeling that this particular storyline is trying to present that even though you can still have a healthy amount of skepticism there's still going to be a devil in an and in god um the biggest takeaway that i got from it especially from the tail end there 
where um, the father gets possessed, he's getting affected and everything. I wanted to kind of bounce this off of you real quick, David. Now, do you think during the whole entire thing, when she, when he met the girl for the first time and has been there every step of the way since then for that particular possession up into up until her death and then both he's ex being affected the father's getting affected um do you think that potentially because of his skepticism and the fact that he talked to the demon directly could have caused the uh the tumbling effect of the father getting possessed and him getting uh, essentially an attachment he's getting tormented and having bad dreams about it do you think because of his wavering of his faith and not believing the father caused that possession to happen well i think from the the, the whole point of the movie is that this demon kind of has been targeting michael since he was a kid because i think when michael's initial wavering of faith literally happened when his mom died yeah you know, because they don't really say what Michael's thinking in those flashbacks as a kid, but it's kind of almost lingering to the point of when, you know, he, he bent the cross. That was kind of his, like, throwing away mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. and thus opening the ability for the devil to creep in, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. That's why I took away from that, because it almost felt like the demon kind of has been following Michael his whole life, because even before he goes to the Vatican, you know, with the, the whole bicycle accident it was kind of just uh, everything leading up to this point in which the demon could be face to face with michael to try to basically suck him into like despair to the point where the demon can have both the priest and michael which was his end goal mm -hmm. everyone else along the way was just like a bonus for the demon it, and that's how i i feel like it was interpreted as mm-hmm because okay. this was but also it's kind of interesting that if if we take the fact that uh you know god exists and, and obviously the devils and demons exist in this movie that um god knew of this demon's plan mm -hmm. and was wanting it to also happen to see if he can get this new you know sword of god basically to mm -hmm. triumph over this demon to basically carry on forth in the future too you know, it's just one of those things because it's it's one of the things that God won't do something for you, but if you ask for help, He will try to help you. Like that's mm -hmm. I think the whole philosophy of uh, religious teachings. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just interesting that He was He would be watching over, wanting Michael to succeed, and until Michael physically asks, like, because you know you can just say words, and words mean nothing if you don't believe in them, right? Yeah, that's that's my philosophy on on multiple things. Um, but until Michael actually says, yeah, I accept God and I, I need him, that's when he has ultimately the power to defeat the demon. Because by himself, Michael is not strong enough to deal with this demon, which I would believe is potentially true. I mean, because you're dealing with something that is not human. It is very hard for someone who is human. Whoa, shit. Okay, continue. Someone died. <laughs> um, so something that's not human to have uh, power, you know, it, it's tough because it's you're, it's on a whole other level, right? It's a whole other yeah. plane of existence.
dimension, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the fact that it is on Earth, you do have more power over it because you're the body on Earth. You have more spiritual connection with the Earth and energy itself. But this is something that's old and ancient and has a lot more strength than you do, especially someone who has wavering faith that you would potentially need something uh, outside help to intervene in order to give you enough strength to cast it out. Yeah. I guess uh, the way that I see it as if he if he would have renewed his faith i don't think all that could have happened i think they could have exercised that demon and that and that woman and her baby could have been uh could have been alive at that given time um i was just thinking more or less because of his wavering faith even though he's been targeted ever since he was a kid helped pave that way for the demon to possess the father and torment him until he found the strength with god to be able to exercise him successfully well, I think it gave the demon more strength, you know, knowing that you have this person who's not believing in me. It just gave the, the demon more confidence, I think, to be yeah. able to do what it wanted to do because of his unwavering faith. Because even though you have Father Lucas, who fully believes and is doing everything in his power to stop it, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that, unfortunately, with the destiny of things, for whatever reason, is just going to play out the way it was going to play out. We're correct. And uh, Easter egg, that's the that's the uh, term that I was looking for. There's a lot of Easter eggs in this particular movie, so you have to pay attention or you're going to get lost. Right. There's going to be things that happen at the beginning of the movie that will be explained at the tail end of the movie. So there's a yeah. lot of Easter eggs you got to pay attention to. Yeah, there's recurrent themes of the bracelet thing. So it's funny if you notice it, uh, the last time you see the bracelet on uh, Michael's door, um, it has... Um, uh, charms on it. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the charms. One of the charms is a frog. Mm-hmm. Another charm is a donkey. Yep. Which is one of the themes of of the whole thing. So yeah, you have to look at that. Uh, the whole bicyclist thing at mm-hmm. the beginning. Later on, uh, as Michael's driving in the Vatican, you see a moped driver who was in an accident, and you know she's dead, and she's looking. You know, just the themes of death that's following Michael as he goes, no matter where he goes, basically, because yep. the demon says, "I'm always with you," and that's mm-hmm. the demon's way of you know. Yeah, there's a lot of little things that kind of connect and coincide. Um, and the the school when they're teaching in the school that has actually a lot of interesting facts that are actually church sanctioned they talk about the the Leviathan they talk about like three different demon names in there that are actual demons and they actually hint at the demon who is actually the main possessor Baal they have a picture of it what it looks like in the school so they actually foreshadow what the demon is going to be that is the main antagonist of the movie yep and then I went ahead and I looked up that particular demon. So there's two different spellings of it. So it's B A apostrophe A L, and there's also B A apostrophe E L. They are the same one. And essentially, um, Ball usually spells B A A L in English, and also some sometimes called B A E L is one of the seven princes of hell in Christian demonology. Uh, he is mentioned widely in the Old Testament as a primary pagan idol of the Finnicans, um, often associated with the heathen goddess As- Ashtaroth, A-S-H-T-A-R-O-T-H. This name is a Northwest Semitic uh, word and title meaning master or lord, which is used for various gods, including Hadad, H-A-D-A-D, um, 
who were patrons of cities in the Levant uh, and Asia Minor, uh, Congate uh, to A-K-K-A-D-I-A-N, uh, nevertheless, few, if any, biblical uses of Baal refer to Hadid, uh, the Lord over the assembly of gods on the holy mount of heaven, but rather referred to any number of local spirit deities worshipped as cult images, uh, each called Baal and regarded in the Hebrew Bible in that context as a false god. Baal is a Christian demon who is ranked uh, as the first and principal king of hell, ruler over the east. Um, according to some authors, Baal is duke of hell. The 6-6 legions of demons under his command and term Baal is used in various ways in the Old Testament with the usual meaning of master or owner, which which came which came to sometimes mean the local pagan god of a particular people and at the same time all of the idols of the land it is also found that several places in the pural balim b-a-a-l-i-m or b-a-a-l-s balls uh which uh, quotes judges 2 hyphen 11 10 hyphen 10 uh were there were many variations such as sun god the god of fertility and Beelzebub, or the lord of Beelzebub, Bozzlebub. Beelzebub. yep i've heard so of that basically one. that one that's basically what ball is and we'll post up links describing exactly that particular demon but yes it is one of my top uh favorite uh paranormal related movies mm-hmm um, it was I've a damn watched good, it. It was a damn good recommendation from you, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. And I barely watch movies as it is. Yeah, I've watched it like five. This is six times now, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just something about it because, like I said, it's not too jump scary. I like movies that are like like scary like that, mm-hmm. but they have to have good storyline for me. Yeah, I can't do movies that are just too like you know gets quiet turn around and boom big loud noise something's you know there and they're trying to scare you with sound like that's not scary to me sound like sound that's just annoying mm-hmm. and then you got some movies that are too crazy with the uh the, the cgi effects like the main creature looking grotesque and shit yeah that gets too much for me too you know i like mm-hmm. this just it felt real mm-hmm. and i guess i it has a it has its moments like there's a there's a scene where uh you know there's she's spitting out nails out her mouth you know mm-hmm. that's a little too much right but i mean there's like very few scenes that are just like too much you know yeah and it's a recurrent thing too because the father also <laughs> spit one out as well right yeah so and i think that the the whole nail thing is a reference to the nails of christ yeah, the nails I'm assuming that that's what that into Christ's hands and feet. Yeah, I'm assuming that's what that reference is towards. Um, you have the obvious. There's a couple upside down crosses, um, which is a Hollywood thing. It has no relevance to actual um, <laughs> mockery of uh, the Christ. Yep. Um, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a few things. Yeah, the, it was a good movie, nonetheless. I mean, we definitely recommend you guys check it out. 
it's really good just pay attention so put your phones down put them on silent sit down for the two hours and just pay attention it's a really good movie yeah and i I guess i didn't really give away too much i mean obviously a lot of things that are the most interesting things to see it's just too much to even talk about i basically just gave a brief (laughs) overview of the movie Mm -hmm. um just my key moments in it i think honestly this would be a good movie to uh refer to to skeptics as well because you can be a skeptic but this shit's still real though so you can either accept it as truth or you can still turn a blind eye to it and see what happens yeah it's still entertaining regardless of uh your beliefs i would say yeah um and if you are just looking for something to to be scary i mean yeah it has the scary elements for sure um, but if you'd like storylines, I think that's that's where my main interest in it is, is, is the story of how it's uh, driven. Yep, most definitely. Hey everybody, the sponsor of today's episode is Anchor, the platform that we use at the BRB Podcast for our podcast. Anchor is an awesome web-based distribution type platform, kind of like Spreaker and some of those other platforms out there that allows people to host their podcasts. But here's the caveat. There is no caveat. It's free. Free? Yeah, free. Unlike some of the other streaming platforms that we've used in the past, like Spreaker, they limit you on how many episodes you can upload. They limit you on how many demographics and charts and stuff like that that you want to see and see how your podcast is doing so anchor provides all that for free you can upload you can have as many episodes as you want for how long it needs to be they give you all of the graphs and charts needed so that way you can keep track of your progress on how well you're doing for your podcast and they also give you the option to help monetize your episodes as well by either giving you some sponsorships or you obtain some sponsorships. We definitely, definitely recommend checking out Anchor for all of your podcast needs because us at BRP Podcast, we are a self-funded podcast. So the fact that we can use internet-based platform for free and they give us all the tools to make us successful is why we give them two thumbs up. So we definitely recommend you check out Anchor The link is in the description of this podcast. We would love for you to check them out and let them know that we sent you over to them. Thanks, Anchor. So, the game that we would like to talk about. Now, this isn't technically a paranormal game, but it's still fun nonetheless, but it's Fear. First Encounter Assault Recon. Now, David, have you ever played this game before? Um, I have not. It's, it's It's a pretty old game. I think it's like also 12 or 11 years old. Yeah, so I've played Fear, Fear 2, and Fear 3. Um, There's definitely a lot of jump scares in these games. Uh, They're really fun to play. It's basically you're going around, you're, uh, let's see, so it's a first-person shooter, psychologically horror game uh, for Microsoft Windows, Xbox, and PlayStation 3. It is the first it is the first game in the series in the Fear series developed by Monolith Pro- Productions and originally published by Vividenti Games under the Sierra Entertainment label. 
The game is released in October of 2005 in both the Standard Edition and Director's Edition. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. The game's story revolves around a fictional fear, first encounter assault recon unit, an elite group of United States Army tasked to investigate supernatural phenomenon. Right. Uh, when a private military company uh, secret research program goes wrong and dangerous and powerful uh, psychic is released, is unleashed, uh, fear is called in with the player taking on the role of the unit's newest recruit, recruit point man. However, it soon becomes apparent there is much more going on than a rogue psychic uh, as uh, the point man finds himself facing a lethal and unprecedented uh, paranormal menace in a form of a young girl with ex extraordinary destructive power. Yeah, so basically, when I read the thing, it's basically uh, a research facility that uses this guy who's a psychic to control an army of basically soulless cr guys. Like, because their army is not like real people, they're like almost like clones. It's a clone army, and they're basically all controlled by this guy who's a psychic. And basically, the psychic goes on like a weird mental break and <laughs> controls his army and they pretty much just fucking wreck havoc in this place and just kill and destroy people and goes nuts and so yeah you just it's really shooter based um lots of blood and stuff and it's just sneaking around and then just shooting mm -hmm. but i mean i guess i understand the story point of view of uh paranormal related stuff it but it, it was just interesting like i just figured it was just like a monster shoot up type game you know mm -hmm. yeah and and like I said before, I've played it, and there's a lot of jump scares in this, and I think it's a really fun game to play. Obviously, it's older, so I would safely assume that a lot of people who played video games have heard of this game or have played it in the past. Uh, the reason why we wanted to talk about it, it does reference, you know, Paranormal Phenomenon and everything, even though it's fictional-based. It's still a fun game nonetheless for you guys to check out. Yeah, I mean... I saw video clips on it and the graphics kind of hold up a bit because it's just one of those where a lot of the environment you're in, it's mm -hmm. dark and then there's just like one light that kind of illuminates a certain area. Yeah. So dynamic wise, the graphics hold up, but if you're like certain parts of the area where it's just like all darkness and you can just tell the, the graphics are on the lower side. Yeah. For being an older game, they do kind of hold up, but yeah, if you're not used to it, it is definitely going to retro retro you out. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, when this game was released, back then, the operating systems that it could work on was Windows XP uh, or 2000 with the latest service pack install. So that was back when uh, uh, Windows 2000 was getting phased out, XP was the main operating system and that was around the same time when 7 uh, Windows 7 was about ready to roll out so I mean this is this is one of those older games that the graphics aren't the greatest and everything it was a great game back then but in these current times unless they remaster it the graphics are quite crappy and you would have to run a, a uh, emulator or at least uh, get it off of Steam and Steam would be able to to, to put in the codes to be able to have you play on something modern like a Windows 10 PC. Well, if, if it's a Xbox 360 and PS3, they, they do have a lot of backwards compatible games that they are constantly refreshing out, so I would maybe check because uh, if you have like an Xbox One, Xbox yeah. X, or a PlayStation 4 or 5, you 
potentially could be able to still play it if they have a backwards compatible capability for it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's possible. Yeah. And in fact, I'm looking on Steam's website right now, and you can actually get it off of Steam, so you can install it on your computer and play it. Uh, they are wanting like 55 bucks for it. I personally find that wow. it's a little steep for an old game like that. Oh, yeah. That's kind but, of crazy. I would think like 20 bucks. Yeah. I, w- I would think like 10 or 20 bucks, but I guess apparently looking here, buy Fear Complete Pack. So it comes with Fear, Fear 2, Fear... Uh, so let me clarify. So Fear, the original, Fear 2, Project Origin, Fear 2, Reborn, Fear 3, and then Fear Extradition Point, and Fear Perseus Mandate. Okay, well you get... Okay, that sounds like... Uh, that's worth 50 bucks then. You're basically getting like 10 bucks a game out of that. Yeah, essentially. That makes more sense now. I was like, for one game, I was like, that's outrageous. That's how much a new, brand new game today costs. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, there is that option to download it if you guys do want to play it. But it is an older game, so, I mean, the graphics aren't going to be the greatest. It's not going to be compared to, like, some of the things today. Like some of the other games that we've talked about in previous episodes. But it's still a fun game, nonetheless. Right on. All right, so let's see here. So, Merker Cemetery. <clears throat> oh boy. So, Merker Cemetery uh, is a cemetery just south of Tooele, Utah. Uh, basically, it was an old mining town that caught on fire. Uh, a lot of the people that have died that were buried in this one particular cemetery. You can go visit the cemetery and investigate it. However, the old town is completely off limits because apparently the United States government has control over that whole entire mountain range. So you can definitely try to trespass if you want to, but I would highly recommend you not because this is the United States government and they know how to bury secrets. So, you know, it's completely up to you. But for the cemetery portion of it, I've already been there at least four or five times. David, how many times have you been there? Just once? Just the once. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack with Merker Cemetery. We'll keep it pretty basic uh, for now, and then we'll talk about more in-depth things that have been happening at Merker Cemetery, because I'm already planning on going out there at least one or two more times this year. So I kind of want to just briefly go over Merker Cemetery, and then we can talk about it on a different episode where we can unpack a lot of the things that I've that I've experienced out there and some of the things that uh, we've that we've discovered out there as well but it's an old rickety cemetery Um, I'll post the pictures whatever pictures I do have on it I'll post them up Um, there are people out there that will go out there and try to do the upkeep kind of try to paint the 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 uh, what do you call it? The fences and everything like that and try to bring flowers or toys and stuff like that And then obviously there's the paranormal side of it It's not an active cemetery. So no one has been buried there for quite a long time And there's not really an organization that's taking care of it either It's just kind of one of those uh, ghost town cemeteries that just kind of gets left in the dust literally But there's also volunteers that will come and take care of it now paranormal wise I've had all my equipment go off out there, particularly where most of the children have been buried. Uh, A lot of the children there like to play with the equipment, Um, but then once you start going out past the cemetery and the surrounding areas, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, there's a lot of bit of darkness out there. Um, 
quite frankly, a lot of the darkness that has happened out there has been caused by, you know, just regular people, you know, opening up shit, summoning shit, doing in some type of rituals or anything like that. Uh, it, it's really, it went from being a fun place to go to, to a very dark location now where I don't even recommend a lot of people go check it out because there is a possibility you could be bringing something home and it's not going to be very nice. Now, David, what was your opinion on Merker Cemetery and what did you experience there? Um, so, I mean, I think, I think it was a little on the chilly side mm-hmm. when, when we went, um, a little bit of a breeze as well. Um... I didn't get I didn't get too much interactions uh, equipment wise when I was out there, um, so I didn't really communicate too much with with people. But there was definitely more when when I'm on outside investigations. I'm also more conscious to actual like real things like wildlife. <laughs> you know, I yeah. always try to bring my gun in, in cases like that because I know there's like mm-hmm. a coyote presence out there for sure. Yeah. Um, so definitely always constantly on the lookout. We had a couple people come to the place too. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a few visitors there. So I was just kind of, you know, I'm more afraid of humans than I am of spirits. Mm-hmm. So just kind of more on my guard on that, on that front. But there was a point when we were walking really, really, really far away. Um, the further we got away to a certain area, just kind of felt like um, a really darker presence. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, what I was getting was like a kind of almost like a a female witchy mm-hmm. feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just something creeping over like lots of corners. There's where we're at. There's like lots of trees and stuff, like pine trees that are kind of like straight up. Um, ferns, I guess you can also say. Mm-hmm. Um, so we was dealing with that to the point where we decided we needed to kind of go back away because the further we were getting out like the worse like we were getting like encroached on like circled around mm-hmm. like we we're go- starting to get to an area where we aren't allowed to go to almost mm-hmm. and then so we eventually retreated from there and went back but then we discovered uh, a little ritual thing um, that you and then decided to touch a stick with something some there was like a black gooey stuff yeah, so I grabbed a stick and I started poking it with a stick, trying to figure well, out what it was. Apparently, even poking it with a stick uh, invoked a type of curse on you. Yeah, I was hexed. Yeah, so it wasn't the greatest thing to, to, to happen. Mm-hmm. And then, did we fix the hex on the spa or did you have to do that later? Uh, we did fix the hex on the spot, but Diana had to fix me first, and I about lost all the contents of my stomach onto her shoes when she was trying to pull that hex off of me. That was by far one of the worst attachments I've ever had pulled off of me. It, and for some reason, whenever I go to Merker Cemetery, I every time when I get attacked or attached, I get the dry heaves like a son of a bitch. Like it's it's not even funny. Like even even if I get close to a malicious entity there, I start dry heaving, and even Diana and Kathleen and some of the other people can uh, can, can uh, attest to this too. Um, but that one particular night when I was sitting there poking the hex, and you know obviously I was starting to feel a little weird, and then when she's like, "Oh my God, this is a hex," 
and I threw the I threw the stick down like what the fuck you know and then we went back to the to the camp because that's where all the cleansing stuff was and in that short amount of time from when I was poking it to when I got sat down and she started working on me it already had taken control of me uh, luckily she was able to catch it and pull it out in time but I almost lost the whole contents of my stomach on her shoes while she was doing that yeah so that was fun good times good times but uh well I also know because I've just been up there the once and you know there's still a lot that I don't know of the place um there are a lot of people who would consider that place not haunted either like or don't get very much activity out there themselves yeah, yeah. um which is just fine that you know not everyone has the same experiences and even times they I think they've been out there multiple times uh not really gotten anything I think from for me that place isn't really an equipment based area it is definitely a feeling mm -hmm. place area yeah um yeah it's very hard i think for you to get a good sense based on equipment as if you stick right there in the core cemetery like right there in the middle of the cemetery you set up some equipment the children will come up and play with it as it has happened to my equipment not that time that david you were with us i set up the equipment and they weren't playing with it at all uh, but times before that, they were playing with the equipment. But once you start going outside of the cemetery area where some of the other bodies were kind of scattered out, that's where a lot of people started doing their ritual stuff. And just what happened to me that particular night with David being present, it, it, that's not even the tip of the iceberg of some of the other things that we found out there as well. So that's why I want to kind of dedicate a whole entire segment on a different episode and talk about a lot of the different things that we discovered out there which some of the stuff that we'll talk about may seem a little uh a little up there but it will it would make sense once it's all explained and and for anybody that has ever experienced these types of things will definitely understand yeah because i think that place when i went was really more the problems were uh human orientated just a lot of people doing rituals and placing hexes and all that mm -hmm. so i think the problem with that place isn't so much uh due to the fact that there are you know spirits of the dead people that are buried there i think it's more of just other people conjuring shit there is mm -hmm. is the problem yep with that place and if you don't if you were to go there and were lucky enough not to experience any of that darker stuff i think that's good yeah, I'd, ra I'd rather you believe that that place isn't really that haunted than to go there and experience uh, dark and negative stuff and get an accidental hex on you. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Now, would this be another location that you would like to come out there again, David? I'm always down. Okay. I'm always down to clown. Sweet. Okay, so uh, we'll announce on a future episode when we'll be talking about this particular topic again, and then we'll sit down and we'll go over in depth every single time that I've been out there, some of the things that we've experienced, some of the stuff that we've had to close and everything like that, and then I'll also report the next one or two more times that I'm going to go out there this year, I'll also report what we've also found as well. <clears throat> Now, the piece of equipment that we would like to talk on this episode are mechanical EM pumps. A lot of EM pumps are super simple. All you need is either a 9-volt battery, a couple of AA's, or a couple of AAA's. You just need a little motor and some magnets. 
That's essentially how a mechanical EM pump is. And what it does, it produces uh, EMF, so electromagnetic field, for spirits to uh, harness the power from to be able to communicate with us. There's wide varieties of EM pumps you can get some off of eBay that someone else has built. There's been other ones that have uh, EM pump built into it, like the Renaissance. That also ha is an EM pump as well, on top of some of the other uh, functionalities that it has. And then there's some over-the-top EM pumps. Like I remember, uh, remember that residential that we did with uh, Chris, and he brought his like two or three EM pumps, and they're like the size of freaking lunch boxes. And he got one of them going in that room, and it got to the point where I started getting lightheaded in that room. That's how much EM, EMF it was putting out. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, you definitely can get um, EMF bleed enough to feel sick. I mean, that's one mm -hmm. of the things we, we look for when we do houses. If there's, like, a high exuberant amount of natural EMF that's not spiritual-related, we'll kind of mark and note that. That, like, yeah, this room's got a ton of EMF in it, and we're just talking to the people. Like, so do you, like, feel sick in this room? Do you feel nauseous? You know, all this type of stuff. And they go, oh, yeah. Well, like, well, it may be, dude, because this room just has high EMF to begin with. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that is a real thing. Yeah. And what we're doing with the pumps is just trying to produce that EMF for the spirits. Because that's also in that room where it's got a high exorbitant amount of EMF. You get the most activity in there because that's where the most energy that the spirit can pull from to use. Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to produce that uh, energy in places that don't have a lot of EMF to begin with. So instead of spirits trying to use us or our equipment or other things, we're giving it a source mm -hmm. of energy to talk to us yeah which could you, be good and could yeah. be bad because if you're dealing with negative stuff we're basically giving it free energy to do things to us but we can decide at that point well we could stop using the pump <laughs> because we don't need it yep yeah and even though it's not organic emf like it came from the ground or anything like that it is artificial emf it still works the same. The spirits can harness it to uh, gain energy to communicate with us or potentially uh, project themselves to us, which ideally that would be nice, but most of the time it's so that way they can knock on walls or move something or communicate through one of our pieces of equipment. That's essentially what we use it for. Um, I have personally bought one and I have also built one. Um, David helped provide some of the uh, some of the products to build an EM pump, which we still need to test on an investigation. But I have built one uh, for our team, and then obviously, like I said before, you can buy some off of uh, eBay. You can buy uh, some equipment like the Renaissance, which unfortunately is not uh, being sold anymore, but it does have that EM pump feature, which I don't recall have we ever used that feature on it david the em pump yeah i use it every investigation was it is it that white noise then correct no it's like it's like a blue okay. and it'll go it'll go through hertz cycles mm -hmm. so it'll start at like one hertz and then it'll go all the way up to like a high level of hertz and then it'll recycle back to one hertz and start the process over mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. but yeah i use that em pump function on it uh literally every investigation i'm on Okay. So between using that and then every once in a while I'll bust out my EM pump like we did for that Thatcher residential. We did that in the basement. I do remember that. Right. Well, the thing I like about the Renaissance EM pump is it doesn't 
make a noise that you can hear it. Yeah. That's what I like most about it because most EM pumps that we've had or have seen, they just they're just a loud obnoxious noise that kind of doesn't help with like audio quality. Yeah. It's the mechanical portion of it because you, all you hear is the motor. The motor is whining and that's all you ever hear is the whining of the motor. Um, so it does make uh, recording audio uh, unbearable because you just have that constant hum in the background. And then when you turn it off, it's like, oh, I can hear things again. And this is, you know, through a digital recorder or, or a video camera or anything. But I feel that it does help us on our investigations. It helps produces that EMF and it gives the spirits an opportunity to, to harness it and communicate with us. I feel that it's uh, a good piece of equipment to have because I don't think I've ever been in a location where we've put it in somewhere and it hasn't not worked. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's one of those uh, sister equipments. You know, it's it's a complementary piece that you you want in your back pocket to to help you because obviously it's not something you need to uh, communicate with spirits uh, effectively, but I, it's just one of those things that helps encourages it. Yes, very much so. So it is something that uh, we definitely recommend. I will post up pictures of the EM pump that I created and the one that I bought off of eBay. Uh, and then we'll post up uh, information about the Renaissance EM. We had we did talk about it on the previous episode of this podcast, but we'll post it up again so that way you guys are aware that if you are able to obtain one of those, it does have that feature. But any final thoughts, David? No. I think this episode is long, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it, well, it's a good informational episode. I mean, we a good bulk of that was just on the movie itself that you wanted to, to talk about. Right. Uh, I think it was. Pr- I think we did pretty good. Yeah, we definitely did. All right. Well, on the next episode, uh, we will be talking about lightning and with the effects of with the paranormal, the Alaskan Triangle. We're going to be talking about a residential, and we'll be talking about the footstep tracker. There's going to be a couple variations of that. So make sure you tune in for that episode as well. But thank you so much for listening to us, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Goodbye. You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRP Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.